Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafrir. Hello, I am Kate Spencer. And we're not experts. But we're just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And we also like to talk about Los Angeles. We are going to go deep today. So deep. Into this city of angels. (laughs) Yeah, so we put together a little little guide to Kate and Dori's LA. Yeah, and you know, we do get a lot of emails or dms Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. often someone's coming to la for a visit and wants to know various recommendations and i should say that you and i are both transplants to this fair city we're not natives we do not claim to be natives no and i will say you know i moved here with a nine-month-old baby so i i feel like my understanding of this city is limited well, I was going to say, I feel like this is a very Forever 35 perspective on LA because I was thinking about this this morning. There's no bars on this. There's no clubs. <laughs> There's no clubs. 
<laughs> nope. No bars or clubs. No, it's all very much like. But there's a perfume store. There sure are perfume stores on here. There's, yes. So, you know. This is our this is what we like. This is our LA. This is not an exhaustive list of all this city has to offer. No. Because LA is amazing. It is vast. It's vast. It's diverse. There's tons of different neighborhoods and communities and parts of the city. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also the setup of Los Angeles and our transportation system often makes it difficult to explore parts of the city. Yeah. Like, for example, I list justa on here but i've only been there a couple times in the nine years that i've lived here Mm -hmm. because it's a commute so anyway i just want to give that disclaimer there will be many things left off our list but this is what we like yeah so uh let's get into it okay great now i should we kind of tick down the list that we made i don't know if ours if it's exact but you have a library i don't have a favorite library oh well my favorite library is the west hollywood library i've never been i'm really excited to go it is so nice you can sit in one of the desks on the second floor third floor and it has this like nice view you're right by the like it's just it's just lovely so west hollywood library great spot for working quiet time yep they have a big kids room Ooh, i love a kids room mm-hmm. what about bookstore kate well we have different faves we do I like yours a lot. I like yours a lot. I love the last bookstore in downtown LA. And it's this huge, beautiful two-story space. I've done readings there, but I've also gone as a shopper. And it's just like kind of a, it's very magical feeling. It feels like a Harry Potter bookstore. It does. It's just gorgeous and a fun place to explore. And I love that whole area downtown. How about you, I really like Skylight Books. A great bookstore. In Los Feliz. Los Feliz. You say Los Feliz? Yeah, I do. Is that what anyone else says? Yeah. People say Los Feliz? Yeah. It's Los Feliz. Is it? Yes. I lived there for three or four years. Oh, boy. This is going to be our most heated discussion Mm -hmm. yet. Okay. You had a really great nature-y section that you wrote down. Oh. Walk, nature walk, and hike. Well, you know, I just wanted to get a lot of things in there. No, I love, I was, when I read your initial list, I was very moved at how much like outdoor exploring you've done. Oh, thanks. Um, well, for the walk, I, I really love walking around the Hollywood Reservoir. So good. Which is also called Lake Hollywood. Um, it's really quiet. Dogs are not allowed. I know, which is such a bummer. Which is a bummer, but I think also makes it much less um, crowded. And chaotic. Yeah, because like, I like the Silver Lake Reservoir, but it's crowded also there's a lot more shade at the hollywood reservoir yes it's really beautiful yeah it's a real hidden gem in the middle of the now city there's like i saw a bunch of deer there a lot this Ooh. winter like and since we got a lot of rain this winter it's been very lush um for a nature walk i like franklin canyon i've never done this one um there's a lot of turtles and birds that sounds fun yeah i did Eaton Canyon is my walk, which is out in the... I don't know where I Eaton believe Canyon it's Eaton is. Canyon. It's out in the Pasadena area. Okay. And it's a manageable hike to do with children. And it ends at a waterfall. Oh, what right? a dream. Right? And my favorite hike, hike of LA is Fryman Canyon. Oh, okay. Here in the valley. Yeah, Here in sure. Studio City. I like a Temescal Canyon. Is that out at Malibu? It's, yeah, Pacific Palisades. Pretty. I've never done that one either. It's really pretty. We didn't name Runyon Canyon. I mean. I do have a section here later on called Great Place to See Celebs. 
And I would throw Runyon oh, onto Runyon. that. Yeah, you could throw Runyon. But like as a place to, I think if you're visiting LA, you should do Runyon. So Runyon Canyon is a hike kind of right in the middle of Los Angeles. It's always packed. And there's it's, a lot of beautiful people. It's filled with the most beautiful like <laughs> Instagram model type yeah. bachelor contestant type humans. Yes. Wearing sexy hiking outfits. A lot of just like sports bras and leggings. Yes. Or just shirtless people. Yes. And then there's me in my largest sun hat schlepping up. <laughs> you can also let your dogs off leash at Runyon. Yeah. But it's fun just for people watching. Totally. It's very LA. But for a hike, yeah, it's like a little much. It's And it, there's not a lot of shade. No. That's going to be a recurring theme for this episode, too. There's a too. nice view from the top, though. It's beautiful. Yeah. And Griffith Park has really beautiful hikes as well. Yeah. Ooh, drive. What's your favorite drive? You know, I just like a piece. I, I like PCH. PCH up towards Malibu? Well, yeah. I like, I like just like take PCH kind of to... Um, What's it called? Malibu Country Mart? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I've never... I know there's like a little area where a little, you can get some food. It's a little like shopping mall, outdoor shopping mall. Um, another good spot to see celebs. Oh, yeah. We saw Flea there. <laughs> a flea sighting. The, ce- the celebs you see in these places are always so random. Yes. Um, it's just a beautiful drive. I also really like Mulholland Drive is also an amazing drive. Very beautiful. A little scary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but beautiful. I love driving. I guess this would also be the PCH. I'm not exactly sure the name of like the road, but driving down through all the beach communities like mm-hmm. Manhattan Beach, Redondo mm-hmm. Beach, Seal Beach. Mm-hmm. And then I love this is farther south of LA, but driving through Laguna Beach. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Let yes. the rain fall down. That's you know where it. else is beautiful is, have you ever been to Rancho Palos Verdes? Yes, I have. It's stunning. It's stunning. Yeah, that's a nice drive. Yeah. These are all kind of oceany communities. Rich oceany communities. Yep. <laughs> I also realized, I think I just sang the theme song to the hills. No, I did. I, I got the Laguna Beach theme song, right? Did you watch Laguna Beach? Mm-hmm. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, I sure did. You had on your list bike ride. I've never been on a bike ride in Los Angeles. Really? No, but you have a favorite bike. I mean, I've biked along in Santa Monica along the beach. Yeah, and, that's this Oh, bike that's ride. that bike ride? If okay. If you start in Pacific Palisades, you can go all the way to Marina Del Rey. But you would have to have your own bike up in Pacific Palisades, right? Yes. Because you can rent bikes in Santa Monica and probably Venice along the boardwalk and the oh, beach. Oh, sure. Yes. Which is what I've done. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of the same thing. And yeah. then there's another bike path called Bologna that's along the Bologna Creek. What's the Bologna Creek? <laughs> um, it runs through like Culver City and then like spits you out in Playa Vista. So you can, you can pick it up. It, it intersects with the bike path along the expo line okay and you can pick it up at jefferson and la cienega cool you're saying culver city just triggered another favorite bookstore that i must mention oh please the ripped bodice oh yes it pardoned me for not mentioning it earlier (laughs) you are pardoned i love the ripped bodice it is a wonderful inclusive bookstore for romance books hello to b and leah who are sisters who own it and run it it's just a fantastic place warm friendly there's always someone there to help recommend a great romance book they have fantastic readings and events and workshops it's just a real fun spot 
Rip Bottas is great. And they always, I, I'm reading a sexy book I just got from there. So anyway, I just had to backtrack. It's in Culver City. Okay. Okay. What's next on our list? Um, well, we both put Olympic Spa down <laughs> for the spa, which is our favorite Korean spa. Listen, listeners. You, if you if you run into us there, we'll be naked. We will, but be. you will be naked also, yes, so it will, will be very comfortable. Um, it's also only for female identifying people. Yes, I should say. Um, and I love the cafe. The cafe is great. If you're looking for a bigger Korean spa experience where you want to go with someone who does not identify as female, I recommend We Spa. You know, I still have not been to We Spa, but I am itching to go. Oh, it is quite an experience. And you can have, you can bring children to We Spa, right? You can. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can also stay overnight at We Spa. Yeah. I love Which it. I've seen people like wheeling their suitcases in. Like Totally. If you I think if like if you have like an early morning flight and you had to like check out of your hotel, you can just go to We Spa. That sounds like a great and I think it's layover like spot. Twenty or thirty dollars. Yeah. See you there. So. We skipped romantic spot. Oh, we did. I said Griffith Observatory. Beautiful, especially like it's sunset. It's so nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. I listed a spot that you recommended to me. Oh. The rooftop bar and restaurant Terra, which mm. is on the top of Italy. Mm-hmm. This is a Dory recommendation. My husband and I just had a really lovely. It is so lovely. Romantic there. dinner date there. It's very lovely. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and. There's lots of tables and couches and you can just kind of have like a leisurely, you know, one of those like hours long, yeah. numerous hours long You can make nights. a reservation for dinner, but I believe the couches in the bar are first come first serve. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And there's like a fire pit and like, it's just the really food nice. Food is great. Food is amazing. Um, that's a great recommendation. Well, thank you for romance. <laughs> Spicing it up. Yoga. Yoga. Um, so... I, for like an independent yoga studio, I really like One Down Dog. It's a great little studio. Great little studio. I go to the one in Silver Lake, but they also have locations in Echo Park and Eagle Rock. So check it out. My yoga studio is a behemoth, but I love it. Wanderlust. It's called (laughs) Wanderlust. It is right in the heart of Hollywood. It has a delightful cafe it's a beautiful space, and I really, uh, the teachers there just hit the spot for me. I really love it. Dance class. This is Dory's territory. Well, I said five, six, seven Broadway. I mean, who? what else could you say? <laughs> you could have thrown a real curveball and said something else. I could have, but I didn't. One of my old school faves um, is Yoga Booty Ballet, mm-hmm. and I took that for many years at a place called Heartbeat House, which is in Atwater Village, and Heartbeat House has great all sorts of great different kinds of classes. It's a wonderful studio. And I have taken yoga booty ballet at a place called Swerve. Yeah, that's more in your neck of the woods. On Third Street. Um, and also uh, the aforementioned Pony Sweat. Mm-hmm. A newer experience for me, but if you're on the east side of LA, check it out. You know what I might get into postpartum? Talk to me. Ballet. I have also, I want to tap, take a tap dancing class. Mm. I've never tap danced. Have you ever done ballet? Yeah, I took ballet for like seven years oh. as a child. I have a lot of friends who take adult ballet. I took a tap ballet. dance class when I was six. Well, <laughs> maybe 35 years later, you want to yeah. revisit tap with uh-huh. me? I just, I've never tap danced and it's something I want to do before I, you know, kick the bucket. Have you watched Sutton Foster's performance of Anything Goes? No. Should I do that for oh, inspiration? Yes, you should. <laughs> Will I ever get to that point? Like in maybe, maybe you in like might. six months, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh boy. Hmm. Super fancy dinner. Um, I said Maud. I still haven't been to Maud. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is super fancy. It's a prefix um, dinner that is owned by the, I guess he's fa- a famous chef, Curtis Stone, mm-hmm. um, who has been on the television. <laughs> She's Louise, I should um, say. It's like, it's become like a special place for my husband and me. You, it's like kind of your celebration restaurant? Yes. Okay. Like we went there on our, on our anniversary this past year. We're actually going there this week as a sort of like last, last dinner before baby. A baby, a baby meal moon. A baby meal moon. <laughs> um, what about you? Do you have a super fancy dinner rec? You know, we had a really lovely kind of special dinner at 71 above i have always wanted to go there it's cool it's really neat it's a it's you i I think it's on the 71st floor hence the name of like an old bank tower i'm gonna get this all wrong but it's basically in an old building in downtown it has it's circular it has incredible views of the whole city it's just really kind of like spectacular and beautiful and the food was fantastic great yeah it was really lovely we had a nice meal there my husband and I, I think also celebrating. I think that might have been my birthday. Okay. Love a celebration. I also wanted to talk about my favorite Korean barbecue place. Talk to me. Which is called Kang Ho Dong Bik Jong. I, I have not been there. Will you take, can we go together? Yeah, oh, let's be do fun. it. Okay. Okay, great. Done. Um, It's really good. There's always a line. So don't go there starving because you'll probably have to wait like, an hour okay um but there's a bar in the same little it's not a strip mall but the same little courtyard area that the restaurant is in called Tobang mm-hmm. that i recommend going to to wait cool while you're waiting for your seat um but i also was thinking about tacos there's a local chain here called king taco that is like if you want like straight up la tacos i think it's a good it's a good way to get into tacos i um am a big fan of guisados oh yeah which there are a bunch of them now in la yeah really good there's also just really good um taco food trucks everywhere i had a couple uh restaurants that i've just had great meals at that i wanted to throw out um broken spanish Mm -hmm. downtown here's looking at you i haven't been to either it's really great a classic also a chain Din Tai Fung. Oh, yes. I love Din Tai Fung. Din Tai Fung is great. Uh, their soup dumplings are legendary. Look, Sugarfish, also a chain of LA sushi restaurants. Yeah. Always good. Um, John and Vinny's, which is not oh, yeah, John and Vinny's a, is great too. Not a chain. Um, and also, we have really great Ethiopian food here in LA. We do. And I like Meals by Gannett, mm-hmm. which I think you just went to a few I recently, did, a right? few weeks ago. So good. I'm kind of cra- I'm, like, I'm craving it. Also, let's go there. Okay. Just a lot of dinners before you ha- before or after you have this baby. I mean, I'm into it. <laughs> I have one more food place that you have to try, and that's Squirrel. Everybody knows about Squirrel. Try it. If you live in LA. It's yeah. a great restaurant. Okay. Dory. Yes. You want to talk about malls. I do. You put favorite mall on this list like it's 1987. I sure did. And I'm not mad about it. You know, because coming from the East Coast, there really aren't outdoor shopping malls. 
But this, the oh, this yeah, concept the, yes, was yes. new to me, except for Shopper's World in Framingham. Oh my God, the most, le- which I believe was the first it, mall ever. It was, and it doesn't exist anymore. Let me tell you, people who grew up in Massachusetts in the 80s know the truth. That is the best mall to ever live. Yeah, but like, it's gone now. Yep, I went there with my mom so much. I mean, opening an outdoor mall in New England was probably not the move. Very courageous. <laughs> Very bold <laughs> thinking. Now, opening an outdoor mall in Los Angeles. Yeah, but your hand, choice is very out of left field for me. Is it? Uh huh. How so did you think I would say the Grove? Of course. Look, I love the Grove. The Grove is kind of like the OG, it's in the middle of LA yeah. outdoor mall. Fountains. Like Italian Rococo, like ridiculous Tuscan decor i mean i don't know if you want to say ridiculous Maybe <laughs> stunning look i love the grove always, don't get always get a good celeb sighting wrong. at the grove yes I, that's where i see my most bachelor and bachelorette contestants oh interesting mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. that tracks but in terms of like an actual mall where i would want to shop like at many stores sure i gotta say the westfield century city i've been there only a handful of does times. it for me okay Italy is there. Mm-hmm. Delish. Um, there's, it, just in terms of food, there's also a La Colombe coffee shop, which is a coffee shop that started in Philadelphia that I have a soft spot for. Isn't there a Din Tai Fung there? there? I believe there is a Din Tai Fung. There's also a container store. Well, now we're talking. Okay. There's an Aritzia, which is a great clothing store that I, that I like. All right. Um, there's an Equinox gym. <laughs> Just in case you want to work out in between all the shopping. There's also like a doctor's office. Like there's like a million <laughs> things here. It's outdoors. You feel very drawn to this it's mall. A lot of there's parking. a movie theater. There's a big movie theater there. There, like I've seen screenings there. Is a movie there. theater. Yes, the a, there's an AMC movie theater there. Um, look, I just think it's a great mall. Okay. Well, look, I, I think also a lot of these faves kind of depend on what side of town you live on true i mean but i don't live near the westfield century no, city. you're just drawn to it i'm just drawn to it you can't like a resist to a flame song. <laughs> well i love the americana okay which is the sister mall of the grove the americana is an outdoor mall it's uh, across the street from the glendale galleria so i kind of just consider them all the same but i it's kind of like the arsenal mall and the watertown mall this is these are such specific references or for the atrium people and the who chestnut are from boston Hill mall. Yeah. these are only massachusetts references and also one part of massachusetts <laughs> but yes it is it is kind of like that but you can cross the street to get across to across the street from another mall yes just many malls <laughs> that genre of mall yep and the americana is an outdoor mall it is ridiculous it's found it has fountains like at the venetian what's the hotel with fountains in um las vegas the bellagio yes there's like musical fountains there's a trolley around the holidays in december they make it snow at night also the americana and the grove smell the same yes because they have a signature candle which i buy and the hotel that i went to on my solo baby (gasps) moon had that candle well, it's owned by Rick Caruso, oh. who owns the Americana and the Grove. Oh, that guy. And it smelled like it. <laughs> this candle is very, it's like expensive in a way that is embarrassing to me that I bought mm-hmm. it, but it smells so good. I love it so much. I've bought this candle multiple times. Bought- it, did I just say that? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm going to stand with it. I've bought the candle <laughs> numerous times. Editor Dory. <laughs> I have purchased the candle numerous times. 
And you have to go to the concierge at the mall if you want to pur- if you want oh, to purchase a, a candle. Tip. Yep. So listen, if you're interested, that's where to go. But also, I love the Americana. It's great. You can like hang out, lounge on the fake grass. It's just delightful. The Americana is bigger than the Grove. It does have stores it has I like. More stuff. Yeah, and, and because you can go across the street to the Glendale Galleria, hit up that Steve Madden shoe store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, there are two Apple stores, one in each mall. It's ridiculous. I mean. Okay. Moving Mo- on. Movie theater. Movie theater. I said the ArcLight. The the best. But specifically the Cinerama Dome. Yes. I mean, it's it's so cool. It's so cool. It's like, it's a very, it feels very L.A. I mean, I hate to say this again, another great place for like a weird celebrity sighting. The ArcLight? Yes. Yeah. Just a celeb at the movies kind of kind of sighting. Yeah, totally. Uh, can I, I did write a little, a couple other celeb sighting spots. Oh yeah, go Do on. you have like fave celeb sighting places? Well, there is a random, this is sort of random, but I feel like every time I go to Sycamore Kitchen oh. on La Brea, which is this little spot for breakfast and lunch. I've often seen celebrities there. I saw Bradley Cooper there. Ooh, that's a good one. I saw Billy Zane there. <laughs> like yeah, I'll take it. I've seen like random people. There's also, it's always also a great place to go during lunch to overhear really douchey Hollywood conversations. Oh, I love my favorite kind. Yeah. So I recommend it for that reason. Uh, Little Doms. Yes. Always Los celebrities there. Feel is. <laughs> always a celebrity. Yes. All hot spot. I totally. saw Robin there. I missed Ryan Gosling by like a second there. That's a great spot. Cafe Gratitude on Larchmont. Oh, interesting. There's always just like a random celebrity there huh. when I'm there. Okay. I will also add every time I've waited in line to buy meat for Christmas at McCall's, <laughs> I've been next to a famous person. And that is also a meat shop, a butcher in Los Feliz. Uh, oh, also the Gelson's on Franklin is a celeb hotspot. That's Angelina Jolie's Gelson's apparently. Dory and I had a great celebrity sighting at Cafe 101. It's a great little coffee shop. Do you remember? Oh, yes, we did. We did. We saw John Hamm. We did. We saw Alone. John Hamm. Mm-hmm. Reading, was he reading a newspaper or was he on his computer? I think he was on his computer, but he like, he definitely looked like he came there. He goes there every day. And he also definitely looked as hot as you want. He had a baseball cap mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. okay. Um, what about where people should go to hear music i love the hollywood bowl me too i don't see a lot of music i'm too old to go to like cool hip concerts sure same um but the hollywood bowl you can't beat it it's gorgeous you know what my recommendation is for the hollywood bowl tell me everything if you can afford it get one of the boxes I've never had one of those, but I want Oh one. my God. Because there's like a table, like you can literally just set yes. up and have your meal there. You have, it's, they're, they're little boxes of four or six people. There's only a few, there's only a few six person ones. They're mostly four person ones. Um, and they have little tables and you can like eat your dinner there. You can bring wine into the Hollywood Bowl, which is just like a very civilized way of seeing a concert. The Hollywood Bowl, you can also picnic outside before yep. and bring your picnic in. And like we've brought, we've sat in just the nosebleed seats there, which are just kind of benches. Yeah. And just full on had like a feast. Oh yeah, totally. And everybody, people have all sorts of accoutrements. They bring little picnic baskets. Yep. They bring comfy seating pads. Yep. It's a real LA scene. Yeah, it's really fun. It's so, so if much you're fun. visiting LA and it happens to coincide, they, and they're only there in the summer. 
Um, but it happens to coincide with a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. I would highly recommend it. And the it. LA Phil plays there a lot. Yes. And it's it's just like a gorgeous setting. It's stupendous. The sun sets around you. It's really lovely. Um, I had museums. Because uh-huh. I think we have fantastic museums here in LA and we do a lot of credit for our museums that's true what are your favorite museums here I I love the Broad mm-hmm. um, which is downtown um, the Getty is fantastic yes LACMA and the Getty Villa I should say yeah it was very cool and beautiful mm-hmm. um, the Simon Norton Museum which I've is never in, been there in Pasadena it's small but it's it's just beautiful and has a beautiful kind of outdoor sculpture garden and then Mocha Mm-hmm. Um, which is the Contemporary Art Museum is downtown is also great. And I will say I've brought my kids to all of these museums. A lot of them have kid rooms, kid rooms, children, like children areas. Mm-hmm. They're really, there's they're very open to having kids at these museums. Like I've never been made to feel weird or bad there's also the natural history museum a great a very good kid museum there's a gem room at the natural history oh, it's museum so beautiful it's really cool and they have this butterfly exhibit in the spring we get to walk through butterflies mm. and also lacma oh of course lacma yeah is there anything else we want to just like mention okay i do want to say the magic castle yes which you have to have kind of you have to know somebody who can get you in there there's a loophole though oh there is yes you can stay at the hotel and can anyone stay at the yes, hotel? Yes, okay. anyone can stay at the hotel. And then if you stay at the hotel, you can get in. The Magic Castle is a essentially a members club for magicians. And us lay people can, can go and have, they have a restaurant upstairs and then magic shows and different bars and rooms. And there are also places where magicians are just hanging out and we'll do, and the, the bartenders do magic. It's yeah. just so much fun. It's so weird. And like, it could only exist here. That's oh, the it's best. It's really special. Yeah, it is truly um, the best. I also love uh, Angel's Flight. I've never done it. Which is, I don't know what you would call it. It's not a trolley. It's a funicular. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you can take it up by where the Broad is and take it down to Grand Central Market. And it was closed for years. Yes, years. And it is open again. And it's really, um, really fantastic. And then also the guard, there are lots of gardens in Pasadena, Descanso Gardens, Huntington Gardens, just beautiful, um, just beautiful spaces for exploring. Grand Park downtown, if you want your kid to Mm, splash in a mm -hmm, fountain. mm -hmm. And I will also say if you need like a kid activity, um, the Skirball Center kid space, which is a museum in Pasadena or the Aquarium of the Pacific and the LA Zoo are all great kid friendly spots. I've also heard, I've never been, but I've heard the Autry. I've also never been to the Autry. But I've heard it's a great spot for kids. Yes, and they have like a night out, kind of monthly night out thing that I know a lot of people go to with their kids. And we also have fantastic farmer's markets in LA. Yes. Um, Weekend farmer's markets and some during the week too. That Hollywood farmer's market. Mm -hmm. Studio City. Studio City. Mm -hmm. Studio City. Um, Great produce, great food. Yeah. And then always, you know like a thing for your kids to do. I mean, what's not to love? We've barely touched on the offerings of this city. But we hope that gives you a little Yeah, if you're coming to visit, guide. these are some things we enjoy. Yeah. You might see us at one of these places. Again, and if you see us at Olympic, we will be naked. Mm-hmm. On that note. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to Become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be 
redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops. Really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Our guest today is Esme Wang. Welcome, Esme. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we are so psyched to have you. Um, Going to read your bio. Esme Wang is a novelist and essayist. She is the author of the New York Times bestselling essay collection, The Collected Schizophrenias, for which she won the Gray Wolf Nonfiction Prize. Her debut novel, The Border of Paradise, was called a best book of 2016 by NPR and one of the 25 best novels of 2016 by Electric Literature. She was named by Granta as one of the best of young American novelists in 2017 and won the Whiting Award in 2018. Born in the Midwest to Taiwanese parents, she lives in San Francisco and can be found at EsmeWang.com and on Twitter at Esme Wang. Um, and your book is 
marvelous. Mm-hmm. Thank you for writing it. Oh, um, thank yeah. you for reading it. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really a special book. Do you do you want to kind of give our listeners um, a, a short pricey of of what your book is about? Sure. So, um, the shortest um, description that I can give of the book is that it is a collection of essays about schizophrenia. It's not so much a memoir. Um, some people might describe it as a memoir or a memoir in essays, but I've never thought of it as such. Um, they may be considered a collection of 13 personal essays. Um, some are more or less about me and some are more or less memoiristic, but they range from um, talking about diagnosis to talking about involuntary hospitalization to discussing the Slenderman case and what happened to those girls in Waukesha. Mm. Um, And uh, in all, there's a a kind of arc to the book or a a number of arcs to the book that um, I find hard to describe. But um, in all, I I tried to, with this book, bring attention to the experience of the schizophrenias, not just from outsiders or clinicians, but also from someone who is diagnosed with a form of the schizophrenias and, in my case, schizoaffective disorder bipolar type. Can you talk about how you got this diagnosis? I mean, I know you go into it in the book, but just kind of for the benefit of listeners who may not have read your book yet. Sure. So it was a a long road. Um, and it is such the case for many people with this diagnosis. It usually takes a long time. So I... Um, had been diagnosed with many different psychiatric uh, diagnoses starting from a young age. So I started having, uh, my parents could tell that there was something going on with me from the time I was about five or six. I was starting to exhibit very anxious behaviors, um, some obsessive compulsive behaviors. And then around 11, I started to have uh, more of major depressive behaviors. And then at the age of about 15 or 16, um, I was seeing my um, school counselor and I finally saw my first psychiatrist and they diagnosed me with uh, panic and major depressive disorder or, you know, clinical depression. Mm. And then at about 17 or 18, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder right before I went to college summer before I went to college at Yale. And uh, it took um, it took a while, but so I, I started to experience uh, my first psychotic symptoms when I was at Stanford, where I had transferred to after two hospitalizations um, at Yale. Uh, I started to experience psychotic symptoms at uh, during my around during my junior year or so. And it took eight years um, for my psychiatrist to finally say, okay, I think you have schizoaffective disorder, even though we knew that something was going on. Mm. And just really briefly, I think because schizoaffective disorder is not one of those disorders that is very well known. Schizoaffective disorder is what I like to call a mashup of schizophrenia and 
and a mood disorder, in my case, bipolar disorder. Um, and so I knew that something was going on and that it wasn't just bipolar disorder because I was having psychotic symptoms, more specifically hallucinations and uh, delusions or false beliefs during periods when I wasn't having um, mood episodes. And that is the sign of schizoaffective disorder. And yet my, um, my psychiatrist at the time was very reluctant to call it anything but bipolar disorder. We called them things like sensory oddities. Um, we had a lot of different coded language to, to describe these psychotic experiences. And that's for a number of different reasons, I think. And I talk about this in the book. But eventually, in around 2013, um, bordering on 2014, it got to the point where it was so severe that my psychiatrist um, finally just, you know, put it in my HMO record um, that I had schizoaffective disorder. I mean, one thing you talk about in the book is um, being high functioning um, mm -hmm. while also having schizophrenia. You, you write schizophrenia and its ilk are not seen by society as conditions that coexist with the potential for being high functioning and are therefore terrifying. Uh, do you think that it was partly because you were so high functioning that you didn't get the diagnosis for so long? Um, sort of. I think that what... And, and I can't really speak so much for my psychiatrist at the time because I, you know, I can't read her mind. But right. but what I think what I think happened was that my psychiatrist saw that I was actually doing fairly well. Um, I, you know, I had a job. Um, I was, you know, before I had a job, a full time job, I was doing well in school. Um, I graduated with a 3.99 at Stanford. Um, I, I was doing fairly well considering I was having these like really brutal hallucinations and delusions. Um, and so to tell me that I had this extremely severe diagnosis um, had the potential of really shifting the way I saw myself, mm. um, even if absolutely nothing changed but the label, it was really, um, it was really possible that I would start to see myself differently, and um, and you know not only myself but you know also my family if I share that diagnosis mm. or my husband um, or my friends um, potentially even you know, my insurance company, yeah. um, anybody who had access to this diagnosis, once it was made official, um, could think of me differently. And I, I think that's what my psychiatrist at the time wanted to protect me from. Mm. Oh, boy, yeah. that must have been. Uh, how, how does it affect the way that you looked at yourself getting a diagnosis, getting your diagnosis? I mean, how did it kind of change your understanding of who you are? If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I had already had a lot of education about um, abnormal psychology. And I knew a lot about schizoaffective disorder at the time. I'd read a lot. Um, I was also working as a lab manager at um, the Stanford Psychology Department at the time, and I'd worked there for about three or four years. So I, I knew that it was very likely that I had schizoaffective disorder. I had kind of assumed that I had 
that diagnosis. And so by the time I officially had the diagnosis, it wasn't a surprise to me at all. It was actually kind of a relief. So once I received the diagnosis officially, it wasn't it wasn't this big shock in the way that receiving a diagnosis of clinical depression or bipolar disorder had been for me earlier in my life. It was more like, okay, finally, like finally everybody agrees. This is what this is. And, um, so that's how that felt at the time. And how did, how did your family and your husband and your friends react to this new diagnosis? Um, you know, I think they reacted fairly well considering, I mean, this is especially considering that they had been through so much with right, me, right. given my, given my, um, mental health issues. My, my husband and I have been together for almost 18 years now. Um, we met, um, in 2001, uh, a week before 9-11 happened. And, you know, we started dating then. So we've been together for a really long time. And he's seen me through a lot of really horrible um, episodes of illness. And, um, and so this was just one more thing, you know, mm. um, it it wasn't so much the diagnosis that was terrifying for them, I think, but to witness me actually going through what the diagnosis was. I mean, right. it wasn't so much like hearing Esme has this new diagnosis, but like actually getting the call from me saying like, hey, see, like there are spiders in my brain and you mm -hmm. need to come home or like him making tea for me and then me accusing him of poisoning me you know mm -hmm. like that was the stuff that was hard it wasn't the actual diagnosis you know we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it because look as I'm learning in my mid-40s as you get older you deal with new things when it comes to your skin not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. 
One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Witness history at Roland Garros where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. I also loved how in your book you talk about um, talking to your mom about your family lineage and and not that you were surprised to discover that other people had had struggles with mental illness in your family but how many people weren't talked about like how many kind of blank spots there still were in the history and how so often it goes undiscussed and undisclosed Mm -hmm. i'm curious if you've had if, if now that your your book is out have you encountered other people with similar experiences with their families is that something you think is common Oh, it's so common. Often the most interaction I I get to have with people who have read the book um, will be in the signing line at events. So, you know, people will come up with their book and they'll get to talk to me while I'm signing their book and, and they'll tell me a little bit about their story. Um, and from the little bit I get from those interactions, um, I'll hear about, you know, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like the most affecting um, stories that I hear are from uh, people like me whose families are immigrants um, who are dealing with uh, who are dealing with the kind of stigma the cultural stigma from their culture from the cultures of origin or their families cultures of origin um, people whose families are still having a really hard time dealing with um, their diagnoses, people who um, whose families don't want to talk about mental illness. Um, and, and I feel that, you know, they do end up finding a lot of solace in the book, if only because my family ended up finding quite a quite a lovely trajectory from, you know, not wanting to talk about it at all and being really aggressive toward me um, in terms of, you know, how could you do this to us? We've always given you everything you've always needed. You have a, mm. you have a roof over your head, et cetera, to becoming more understanding and starting to read about the things that I was dealing with. And now they're really proud and they're, that, you know, they're, they're looking at like my LA review of books review and like messaging me through line and, um, they're really proud, but that, that journey took a really long time though. And, and I don't know how to tell these, these 
children of immigrants or these immigrants how to replicate that mm-hmm. uh, because there is no one size fits all. Um, but, you know, hopefully I can provide some kind of hope for them. I'm wondering how definitions of self-care change when you get a diagnosis like schizophrenia. Um, Does self-care just become survival or is it something more? Yeah, I think that um, my my story ends up becoming more complicated in the book um, because I started to have some really severe physical limitations and some really severe physical illnesses. And that ended up being called a number of things, including dysautonomia and late stage Lyme disease. And, um, it was very confusing. People thought I had cancer. Um, I was going from doctor to doctor to to neurologist. And it was at this point, we still, I think it's, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm, I'm dealing with it and, you know, I still, you know, I still use a mobility aid a lot of the time and there are still a lot of these physical limitations. So that, that kind of complicates the situation in addition to the, uh, the mental illness aspect of things. But, um, in terms of self care, um, all of those things, the physical and the mental, um, limitations, uh, those all forced me to slow down Mm. and to, and to do self care. So I, uh, you know, I've been told many times by friends and by strangers that I'm a very good, um, I'm a very good representative of someone who is good at, uh, self care. And I, I find, I, I don't quite find this as hilarious as I used to, but I used to find it really funny because I used to be so bad at self-care. Um, I, I used to work myself to the bone all the time. I would, you know, sit at my computer and not get up like, okay. So I would sit at my computer and then just drink coffee endlessly for like eight hours. And then I would switch to gin and tonics. Um, like once <laughs> once we reached like five o'clock and then just drink gin and tonics and work until like, I don't know, one in the morning. Like, I mean, it was really not a good way of treating my body. And, you know, I I don't like to blame myself in terms of saying like, oh, that's why I got sick later, but I'm Mm. sure that didn't help. Um, But, you know, once you get really, really sick, you're kind of forced to take care of yourself. You're kind of forced to enact some form of self-care. And so I have, um, I have um, had to kind of take a crash course in self-care and I've had to learn the difference between self-care in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of, um, like going for a massage and like taking a spa and like like using like a sheet mask, like that kind of self-care. And then the self-care that looks like, you know, not saying yes to like every single Mm -hmm. ask that people make me make me in my inbox, um, or, you know, taking down my email address on my website because it's not necessarily safe for me to have my email address out there. Um, you know, uh, or not, or, or just like not letting people 
pick my brain, quote unquote, mm-hmm. all the time. Um, whereas like I used to be really open to that. Um, there are things that uh, I, I just have to, I, I'm better, I think, in one word, um, boundaries. Like I've just gotten a lot better at boundaries. And I, I am constantly learning how to become better at boundaries. Like last winter, I took, and actually I took a course um, with this woman named Randy Buckley called Healthy Boundaries for Kind People. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, but that's what I aim for is like healthy boundaries for kind people. Was there something going on or were you having a hard time setting boundaries that led you to take that course? Because I was actually going to ask how you started to put into practice this idea of setting boundaries, but it sounds like you really knew that it was something you wanted to work on. Well, I always just knew that I have been historically really, really bad at setting boundaries. I mean, this is a thing that I've been bad at since I was a a child or since I was um, at least, you know, in middle school or high school. Um, I, there was, um, I always thought that the, that the highest form of say friendship was to have like, uh, a, like a completely permeable membrane between myself and the other person, um, and to be available 24 hours a day, um, to always be there, um, to never say no, um, to, uh, to do everything that I could do, um, to offer everything that I could, um, to give all the clothes off my back and more. Um, like that was what I thought was right and good. And, um, and that ended up costing me a lot. Um, and I did it over and over again. I mean, I can point to like so many instances of so many different friendships and relationships in which I kept doing this and it cost me over and over again. And, you know, the person who actually witnessed all of these, um, these relationships and friendships falling apart because they always inevitably fell apart, um, was my mother. And she would just kind of shake her head and say, like, you've always been like this and you're going to have to learn to not be like this, um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a very, very long and hard road, um, of, of learning. Um, but yeah, so. I'm curious to hear more about this course that you took. Oh yeah. Cause Dory and I both, our interests peaked. Yes. Like we might. Need <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I signed up for it because I was going through a really hard time with this particular um, topic. And I had always heard about Randy, like Randy and I have met. She lives in the Bay Area. Um, she's she's like a, a coach. And I, I was always really attracted to the 
that course because of the name of the course, like healthy boundaries for kind people. Um, like I, I liked it because I feel like sometimes people who are, are kind people who are quote unquote nice people, um, who are not particularly good at boundaries might hear about boundaries and think like, Oh, boundaries are mean things that you put into place. Um, and, and that, and potentially hurt people with, you know? Um, but when I heard about this course, I was like, Oh, like maybe this is what I need because, what I need is a way to keep myself from being completely enmeshed with other humans, um, but in a kind way, but without completely losing myself and without, um, without harming myself because I kept doing it. And so to be honest, um, I actually didn't participate that much in the course because I was going through a really hard time with a particular situation that um, reflected exactly why I needed to be in that course. Um, but I think even being in that course um, reflected to me why I needed to, um, to break away from that particular situation. And then, um, and I did. And so I think that kind of marked um marked the beginning, hopefully, of uh, me not being as much of a, a doormat or as much of a, a boundaryless jellyfish. <laughs> Can I ask you about self-care and living with a chronic illness? You wrote a really great essay for Elle a few years ago, and in it you said... Um, when I see women that I admire scoff at the idea of self-care, I shrink because I'm often reading their words on my phone while lying in bed, engaging in the most intense self-care that I can imagine. And the essay was titled, I'm chronically ill and afraid of being lazy. And I just, I, I loved reading it because it, it really takes to task kind of, you know, our culture that really values work and productivity and the kind of per performative aspect of it and existing in that world when what you need for your self-care is is rest and not movement and I, I would just would love to hear you speak to a little bit about what that has been like yeah like it, it's amazing because out of all the things that I've written that essay has been I am sure one of the top things that has garnered the most attention and that wow. has um, that has, uh, you know, made the biggest impact. And, uh, you know, I think there's just so much, um, and I, I didn't coin this term and I don't know if she did either, but Rachel Verona Cote, um, used the phrase productivity anxiety. So I'll just use it now, but there's so much productivity anxiety in our culture. Yes. And, um, and, there's always this worry of like, am I being productive? And it's especially hard when you're dealing with like a very severe chronic illness. And so, um, you know, when I'm talking about like lying in bed and using my phone, um, and resting, like, that's also how I do work. Like, you know, I'm a member of the wing. And so I'll go to the wing, which is a co-working space. 
um, for women and non-binary people. And I'll lie on the couch and tap on my phone, but I'm actually like writing an essay or something, but like, it looks like I'm not doing anything (laughs) because I'm like lying on a couch. Um, but that's how I work now because, uh, it's like an easy way for me to, um, physically, uh, get stuff done. Um, but yeah, that essay, uh, is so much about how I've been forced to, in many ways, um, due to illness and due to disability that I didn't, um, grow up with. Um, I've had to come up with workarounds and I've had to adjust and I've had to, um, I've had to think about like, okay, what do I do with ambition. Um, like I've always considered myself an ambitious person. I've always considered myself to have a good work work ethic. And I've also considered my ambition and my work ethic to be two of the best things about me. And what does that mean for me? Like, what does that mean for like a person who grew up in a capitalist society? Um, what does that mean for a person who like very quickly within the span of a number of years lost the capability to get stuff done um, or to get stuff done without a, a lot of difficulty. I mean, there's there's a great amount of discussion within the disability rights community about, you know, there's a lot of encouragement about trying to encourage people with disabilities to um, to get back into the workforce. But what about people who are disabled who can't work or for whom like working is actually detrimental to their health? And that, and I speak about this in the book as well, but like, um, sometimes, uh, like it's important to question, like, why is working the be all and end all of our worth as human beings. And that's something that I've, you know, worked a lot on in therapy, um, in terms of thinking like, why do I care so much about how much work I get done and, um, how much does work ultimately matter to me in terms of, uh, in terms of my self-worth. I feel like we talk and think about this all the time. Yeah, I was actually having thoughts about <laughs> about it today yeah. with my own self-worth. And I'm, I'm so grateful to hear you say that because you're right. There's so many other things to value besides just our productivity and our work. Mm-hmm. But often we're not told that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, some like something that my therapist did um, with me, this was like, you know, years ago at this point, but, um, she had me identify, um, different ways that I identify. Um, so not just like a writer, but also, you know, as a sister or like as a wife or as like a, as a friend. And, you know, so many of those identifiers do not have to do with work. Mm. Um, and, you know, those identifiers are also valuable. Well, Esme, it has really been a joy to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Thank you. Um, I know we mentioned your website and your Twitter at the beginning um, of the interview, but I'll just mention them again. It's EsmeWang.com and Twitter is EsmeWang at EsmeWang. Is there anywhere else that people can find you? Um, I've been really active. Uh, I'm always active um, on Twitter, but I'm, I've also recently been very active on Instagram, which is EsmeWang. Great. Well, we will follow you everywhere. We will see you there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks again. And everyone buy her book, The Collected Schizophrenias. Thank you so much. Thanks, Esme. Bye. Tori. Yes. Have you been stretching? I have. Oh, excuse me. As Mm -hmm. Dory says this, she crosses her legs confidently (laughs) on my couch. I'm stretching them out right now. In fact, for you, that's so great. How have you incorporated stretching into Um, your daily routine? Well, I've been doing it at night on the very soft new rug that I just got for our office. Oh, Mm -hmm. just kind of laying on the floor and rolling out. Well, I'm not lying down. I'm just, I'm doing, um, I don't know how, like, I don't know how to describe them. I'm like stretching my legs. I'm doing some shoulder stretches. Nothing too crazy. You don't need to go nuts. I don't need to go nuts. Um, Bo usually comes over and is like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like sticks his snout in my face. And then I'm like, "Mm," and then he walks away. Um, So yeah, just trying to stay stretchy i also got a massage this week oh great That'll which i think counts out. as stretching sure someone else is stretching yeah you. exactly um how about you how's kids artwork organizational hell going well <laughs> that's what it says on our it is what episode it says document the, that's what i wrote i was really in my feelings about it you're actually sitting in the space where i did a massive purge and what's left is in these two large full art folders over here and the things I purged are in my recycling bin which is full to the brim amazing so I got it done and it feels fantastic Kate I'm very proud of you and what is your plan going forward so with the art organization yes well I purchased these I'll link to these kind of plastic art envelopes in a like a 19 by 25 size so Mm -hmm. bigger pieces of art can go in them and I bought six of them so my thinking is I will have these for the for the rest of elementary school to stuff either by grade or maybe every two grades whatnot um that's my plan and store them somewhere I have a hard time completely getting rid of their art a lot of people recommended photographing the art or using a service like archive Um, okay but I wanted to hold on to some things because I really like going back and looking at the things I made as a kid there's something we it kind of cool. connects you to who you used to be i think anyway, yeah uh how how about this week dory what what are you intentioning up well i you know again we're we're banking episodes so we're recording this before i have the baby but it will probably god hopefully air <laughs> after i have the baby um but I just want to do these like last things before the baby. So, you know, we made a dinner reservation. We're going to go to the movies tomorrow. Like just kind of trying to get some, cram some last stuff in. (laughs) Wow. That's so sweet. Yeah. How about you? Um, I am trying to have patience as I continue my purging. Okay. Um, So we, I, we use our garage as an office. Yep. And it hadn't essentially been cleaned out in the last since the five years ago when we moved in here. Mm. And so I got rid of a ton of stuff. Um, but now I'm feeling like antsy about getting it all put together. And I'm just reminding myself like, it'll happen. It'll happen. Just slow it down and totally. don't get impatient with the process. So that's, 
That's what I'm doing. Okay. We'll I mean, so far you have done an amazing job. I'm just looking around your office right now and it is like night and day. I mean, I think I swept for the first time in five years in here. I can tell. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) On that Uh, note, Dory, we are going to bid you all farewell. Farewell. But before we do, uh, just a friendly reminder that we have a voicemail. Um, You can call us at 781-591-0390. You can always email us, uh, though we may not be able to respond, at forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast, where the password is serums. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, or, you know, say hello to us on social media. And a reminder that everything we mention... Uh, on the show, including every single restaurant and everything we talked about at the top of the show, uh, will be on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And of course, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And Lane Hammer is our assistant who will be listing all those things on our website. Yes. Thank you, thank Lane. you Lane. Bye, everyone. Bye.